I think it's going to rain and it's going to stop. This is I Am a Griefist, a childhood cancer grief journey podcast. We're live. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. So we are live. We have a very, very special guest today. And I, I, I don't know if I'm ready for today. I'm ready. Are you? Yeah, I feel like this is going to be like Uncle Joe's session too, where I'm going to be afraid of a lot of things that I'm going to hear. Do we have our tissues? Oh, tissues. I feel like I'm going to cry a lot. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm scared. <laughs> We have a very special guest today, and I'm so, so, so incredibly happy that they're here. Special guest, please introduce yourself. Hiya, I'm um, I'm Angelina. I am cousin of the baby, and yeah, that's, you, that's where we're at. Are you nervous? A little bit I'm now lying. that we started. <laughs> I wasn't before we started, but Don't you know. be nervous. This is just a casual conversation. Oh, it was really hard not to laugh when you were prepping. I'm telling you, it's this is we wing it. So if you thought this was something professional, you were absolutely wrong. This is not professional at all. If I can, how old are you? I am 18 now. That's wow. a trip. It's a trip for me too. Because yeah. when I was picking her up, I was talking to her mom. I was like, how, you know, what time does she need to be back? And she's like, she's 18. Oh shit, she can make decisions on her own. She- <laughs> doesn't have to be home at any time just be a responsible adult 18 year old grandchild is very i know yeah strange yeah (laughs) makes me super old i know me too but welcome and that's hard for me to say because we're in this situation and it's not like we're we want to be welcomed into the life of a child with cancer and dealing with that but we're just so glad you're here because you offer the world an opportunity to understand a young person grieving through their cousin with cancer, right? And I am so interested to hear your perspective. We've never talked about this, similar to Joe. You and I and Grandma, I don't maybe you talked about it with Grandma, but you and I in particular have never talked about this. So I'm super anxious. I'm super nervous to get this going. But Before we get started, I just want to tell you, I love you so much, and I'm so glad you're here. And I know this is going to be difficult, but we're here through it with you. If you need a break, we'll take a break. We'll come back to it. If you want to stop, just say, hey, I'm done for today, and we can try another time or not. It's completely your floor. This is all about you, but we want to know everything you're willing to share with us about it. It's much appreciated, and (laughs) I love you too. I have to get that in there. I'm all in for this too. It's very much... Our family dynamic, anyway, it's all in. We're all in. And I wouldn't miss the opportunity that's been presented. I love that. Already with the tissues, Grandma! (laughs) (laughs) That was so beautiful. I told you. So folks listening, you might want to get those tissues handy. I'm only anticipating a ton of crying. But I I hope not. I hope this is something that's you know, we can find a ton of value in. I'm sure it is. But I'm sure it's going to be super emotional, too. So uh, let's start with, so you're the eldest of the grandkids. Yes, eldest of the eldest. Yeah. It's very interesting. <laughs> there's, there's already kind of pre-existing connotations that have come with that, but it's been also 
primarily responsibility from the get. I was going to ask. Yes. Tell me about that. Lots of that. Well, there's my siblings, which I love to death. You have two siblings. You're the eldest of three. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I nag them much the way that my mom does. And I feel bad for that. But also, that's what I've been taught to do. Um, Because you're supposed to take care of them. I'm supposed to take care of them. That's the eldest kid responsibility. And and like, I asked for my sister to be born. Like, I was telling my mom, I want a sister. Give me a sister. (laughs) And I fully expected her to comply with that request, by the way. It wasn't like, oh, can you do this? It was like, I I need a sister. Give give me now. Dang, the pressure. (laughs) (laughs) How old are you when you got a sister? I was three. So at three, you were telling your mom, you were demanding from mom, I need a sister. (laughs) Yes, I wanted a sister. And then I did the same thing for my brother, too. I was like, okay, now we need need a boy. We need to do it. I need need another sibling. Mm. And that wasn't it wasn't like she was trying to cater to my request specifically, but what, maybe no. who she, knows? No, she told me she oh. was like, I, <laughs> she was like, there was no way. And then it happened. And I was like, ah. <laughs> she points at her. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the second that my mom's first pregnancy was realized, it was like, OK, so, you know, you're going to help. This is a baby. We're going to take care of the baby. Mm. And the responsibility is yours to be the role model, be big sister, essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that has always existed. And with my cousins, it was kind of like a pre-application of that because the baby's older brother is very close in age to me. I think we're mm-hmm. only like seven to eight months apart. That's right. And so while it wasn't like I have to take care of this kid that is my cousin, it was kind of like innately assumed by me anyway. Love that, yeah. <laughs> I love the way you put that. <laughs> She's so like, smart, by the way. <laughs> I, I just like I remember growing up and him trying to flip off of things. And I was like, you're going to give yourself a concussion. Stop that. <laughs> And he probably hates me for that a little bit. Like, it's got to be a little bit of lingering resentment. (laughs) (laughs) It's just you taking care of the kids, right? It's this role you play of being, like, the elder in this scenario and having this responsibility of taking care of of your youngers. And mom is now crying. Are you okay? She cries a lot. Don't worry. She cries a lot. What's going on over there? It's the what I used to hear from the baby's older brother is it was my job to take care of her and I couldn't. So that's what brings to mind is all this responsibility that you feel for your siblings. And when she got sick, I'm sure that was part of it. Like, what could I have done? Is there, I mean, it's rough, I think, for a older mm-hmm. cousin, sibling, because you guys were, are still pretty tight. And I think COVID changed a lot of things for us, but we're still a pretty tight-knit family. If something happens to one of us, it happens. We're all together. Mm-hmm. So I could only imagine how hard that must have been to not have any control of what was going on with her. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure for him, it was a lot more intense than with me. But even, I was in like third grade when she was diagnosed. And even still, I was like, wow, I blame myself for this. I can't, I can't explain like he was he was same grade as me, a third like a third grader's reasoning for why that would be a fault. Like that is beyond anyone's control. The adults couldn't do anything about right. that. I mean, Aunt Jess was like doing everything she could already to make the baby healthy. Absolutely. Like she did everything in her power and it was still like, what the heck? So I'm sure that 
feeling those responsibilities was not lost on him either. And I'm sure that, you know, that was something he's had to work through. And I, I think about that a lot, too, because that was predominantly his childhood. That's what he grew up with. Yeah. And as much as adults are like, well, that's so sad. You don't have the normal childhood. That is our normal. That's what we know. That's what we're familiar with. So it's like everything from this point probably for the two of us is going to be compared to that experience. Yeah. yeah. Well said. For me, because I was the oldest and had to be responsible for everything that was going on with my siblings. I can't even imagine if something like that had happened to one of my siblings. And then, what do you do? How did you feel? Well, for me, when she was first diagnosed, I thought about it for a long time. That was after understanding it, because, again, as a kid, that's that's not a concept you really have to think about unless you're in that situation. And for me, once I came to terms with it, I was like, well, why would this happen, right? Same questions that the adults are asking, but on like a less aware level. Mm -hmm. It was like, well, maybe it's because I didn't love her enough. And that I used to think that like a lot. I was like, maybe because I spend so much time with her older brother, I'm not spending enough time with her. And that's why this happened. So it was um, my goodness. <laughs> it was an intense thing initially. And I, I kind of, I want to say I grew out of that, but it's like you, when you're a kid, your building blocks and understandings of the world kind of mesh together. And even if they change a little bit, there's still that foundation of explaining it. So I can't say that I tried as a third grader to ask my cousin what he felt about this, but I can only say what I felt. Mm -hmm. And it's not the fault of the adults either, because how how do you really explain something like that to right, a kid? Right. And as humans, we we seek patterns where there is none. And for me, that was the only pattern that I could find was I spent more time with him mm -hmm. and I felt guilt. I don't have like a relationship with God. I wasn't raised anyway. <laughs> you hear my dad and my aunts raised Catholic, which means that they fluctuate on how they were raised, right? It's questionable. No, no one says no one says I'm raised Catholic with no follow-up meaning that they still practice. Right, it like that. right. <laughs> but I was raised Catholic, but Yeah. Um there's always that but. Uh, yeah. I was not raised with God, with religion. I was raised with, well, here's a possibility, but it's mm -hmm. up to you kind of. And so I saw adults around me praying. And so I was like, okay, maybe that works. So I'll try it. Right. And I remember in third, fourth grade praying and being like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I did this. I promise I'll do better. But you have to give me the time for me to do better. What were you sorry for? Not spending time with her. Mm. I hope you know that that had nothing to do with it. Well, yes, reflecting, I know yeah. that. But that is so painful to hear. That there's the level of responsibility she has. She's owning some level of the bad that's happening to the baby and to the people around her. But then she's also feeling this level of guilt and pain for things that are independent of each other, but somehow making the connection that it was somehow your fault. Anything like that was happening. Well, yeah, too. I think you think from a kid's perspective, we do that with a lot of things. Like if you punish a kid, they're like, it's because you don't love me. It's not because you want to teach me something. It's because you don't like what I did more mm. than it is I did a wrong thing. Yeah. So there's there's like a misattribution kind of of what it is. But I mean, if I could tell a third grader that and have them understand, I guess that'd be preferable. But there's nothing that anyone could say 
to me at that age that would take away right my preconceived notions of what that meant yeah wow as adults we try to come to this understanding that this is completely out of our control and <laughs> let's be real we have a control problem. (laughs) For sure. We want to be in control of everything. So the one thing though that you want to have control over, you have none, is such a hard thing for us to understand and grasp and go, I don't care what it would take. And this is why in our brain, we go to the extremes. Give it to me, I'll take it. This is our desperate attempt to try to resolve and to try to help and to try to make things right, right? To put things into correctness, if I can say that. But it's really just, you know, a desperate attempt for us to make things right, for things to be taken away from her, the bad to be taken away, put it on us. We've lived a somewhat, you know, long period of time compared to this baby. So, you know, what can we do? There's nothing we can do. Did you want to say something else? Well, just that it's kind of normal for a parent to have the older sibling be responsible for the younger sibling. But we're putting so much on them. Like when something like this happens, you don't realize how much of an impact that was. Yeah, yeah. And how do you take that away? Your dad learned really fast that his job was to take care of his sisters. When you think about it, that's a normal thing that parents do. Yeah, and it's normal in the family dynamic too. Like grandma even said, like, give it to me, right? And it trickles down the line. Like the eldest want to take care of the kids. The eldest want to take care of the youngsters, right? So understandably, you having this sort of sense of responsibility to take care of your people, I think is just the normal family dynamic. But to understand the implications of what that means, it's, oh, my heart. Well, I mean, I don't think I had the words to say any of this. Oh, no. Because I, I don't even, when I think, I don't think in like... I hear myself talk. I think in feelings more than I do words. Mm -hmm. So it was a feeling more than it was like a formulated thought that I could go to an adult with for help. It was more like, wow, this doesn't feel good. Do you think that if you talked to a professional at that age that it would have been different for you? No, no, because I was still given a task to do that I tried to fulfill in that time. And I've noticed that there's a trend of all of us kind of leaning that way, especially with like my dad who was unable to do anything. Yeah, it was the whole maintain positivity, stay hopeful, which we reinforced a lot. We did a lot of that. So I was adamant that no matter what anyone told me, I was going to be happy and hopeful. And that was my job. That was all I could do. So I was going to do it. So if you try to take me to an adult to actually say how I felt... I would have been like, nope, nope, mm. I'm happy. I'm hopeful. We're doing this. Masking how you really feel. Yes, yeah, a lot of I that. I get that. I totally get that. Wow. So how old were you when the baby was diagnosed? Seven or eight, like my dad said. He got that one right. So, <laughs> so she's going to critique her dad throughout this, <laughs> Uncle Joe. It's not going to be an intentional thing. Hey, it's... I'm about it. <laughs> totally yeah, fine. So she was diagnosed in 2011, so that would make you eight. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember that time? I remember the day that I was told about her diagnosis because it was one of those like flashbulb memories that they talk about in psych. And I might reference too many psych terms because I just got out of that class. Hey, that's okay. Teach us a little bit about that. (laughs) So generally and typically, there's infantile amnesia where up to a certain point, you're just going to forget most of the foundational stuff because you're still coming to terms with what the concepts of things are. Sure. And then... 
in the middle of that, you can also have flashbulb memories, which are things throughout your life where those stick out and you remember mm-hmm. weird specific details mm-hmm. about it, but mm-hmm. you never forget the specific event happening unless it becomes so traumatic that your brain's like, nope. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a flashbulb memory for me. Mm-hmm. I remember the day that it I was told because I remember it happening. It must have been autumn or winterish because like the leaves were not there and when they were they were crunchy and okay <laughs> brown. It's weird some of the details that i know remember, yeah. yeah yeah and we like, want to hear it all walk us through it mom was walking me to the car and i can't actually remember the car that it was but i remember getting in and she started off with like so how's your day the normal the normal conversation so this was had. like after school after school okay and i answered and we talked a little bit and she was like so what do you know about cancer? And I was like, well, you get really sick. And then at some point you lose your hair, right? And she was like, well, if you have cancer, there are times when you can lose your hair, but it's not the sickness itself that causes it. And I was like, oh, well, then what? And she was like, you know what? Let's just wait. <laughs> just because we were still in the car, we were getting home. She was like, I'll talk to you more about this when we get home. But the baby has cancer, and I need you to understand kind of what that means. And I was like, okay. And we got home, we went to the bathroom, and she sat down, and she was like, so her body is fighting itself, and it could really hurt her. It's not going to be like normal sick, like what you think of sick. And the medicine she has to take is going to make her hair fall out. But it's her body that's hurting her, and her hair is not part of the sickness. And you have to understand that there's a possibility she might not live. Mm. And so then it was understanding what death was. And so I was like, you mean I won't see her? And she was like, I don't know that, but it could happen that way. So we need you to be positive, kind of like we need to get through it. We need to help her. We need to yeah. help her. And I was like, okay. But I did start crying that day because I, I, I had some notion of death. Like I had already experienced people passing away before, but it was like really fragmented memories I had of that. Mm. Like I knew that there was a funeral and I knew that in the funeral I had to be quiet or I'd get in trouble. <laughs> Right. And I knew that I wouldn't see that person again. But to that point, the only people that had passed away were like older. Right. So the idea that I wouldn't see my baby cousin was like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. Like, I'm supposed to grow up with her. Right. And the way we were raised, too, was always like the game plan for our moms was like raise them together, have them really close and they'll be there for each other in the major events. Which I know is another thing that the family was kind of looking towards me for now as the oldest and also kind of not having that younger person to look forward to as much now that that was something that was taken away. And also to an extent because of that, I feel kind of people are trying to live vicariously through me a little bit. There's a little bit of just waiting for me to do things, which is a weird feeling because I know that for the longest time it was like, we need to focus on her. We need to do things for her. We need to make sure she gets to these these stepping points, right? And I would get updates on it. And then when that wasn't there, it was shifted back to, okay, we're looking at you now. And I was like, ah. 
So talk to us a little more about that. So you're saying, so if I'm understanding correctly, the focus and the intention on the baby was so extreme that you sort of felt like you were put to the back burner a little bit and the attention wasn't so much on you. And then once she passed away, it was like, oh, now we really need to focus on you again because... Well, yeah, there was a shifting of attention and I know that was necessary and I wasn't like mad or anything but I think part of that too was I was already like hyper aware of a lot of things yeah I don't know that every kid is going to have that reaction and I feel like I should throw that in there (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that like don't expect your kids not to be mad at you but I wasn't (laughs) mad I was kind of like you understood sort of the severity of everything yeah and and was gracious enough to allow the parents to focus on the sickness on the child who we need to get better and then in the long run you know a step back from that once she had passed away to come back to you and you allowed that sort of grace period yeah well as real as my grief is and as real as I was a part of that journey I also wasn't the older sibling in that situation so it was like I still had events for me like my dad and my mom still made time for me and my events and made sure that I could do things. Right, right. So I didn't feel as much of the lacking. I just felt the more intense pressure once she passed. Mm, But I get the feeling that my cousin now probably felt the majority of the lack because... Yeah, he was so directly involved. Yes, it was like an everyday thing. Or like, hey, we're going to pull you out of school now. Be ready for this. Be ready to go at any moment because we need to focus focus on her. Yeah, this is how I see it. Aunt Jess and my cousin are like primary victims, right, of grief, I guess. And then there's our family, the rest of them that are not as direct, which is like secondary. And then I feel like I'm tertiary. Like I'm Hmm. like a like a misplaced person kind of why do you feel that way because again i didn't have to endure a lot of the things that i know my cousin did i know i didn't have to sit through as many hospital visits i didn't have to miss as many events i didn't have to watch my parents deliberate on it so much like that was an entire series of events that i know i know for a fact he had to endure that was totally and completely separate from what i had to endure which was I still got a lot of the opportunities that I needed. Like there were a couple of times maybe when I got not pulled out, but I had to leave early or something Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. I had to um, like go after school somewhere. But that's not nearly as extreme. And I don't think it's 100% fair to put myself on the same level of what his grief must be. Yeah, I can understand that. I completely understand that because as a an aunt, I can't say that my grief is going to be the same as mom as Aunt Jess, right? Mm -hmm. Or the same as Grandma. I completely understand your position, but I don't want you to think that yours is any less or any, like you you put like a level on them. While the, the ripple of effect of grief does go out, your grief is just as important as everybody else's, but we're very unique in how we grieve, right? Mm -hmm. And your hurt, your pain is no less than anybody else's. But I also have had to come to that realization because I know that often I would want to compare to my sister and be like, mine's less. I'm not as directly involved with what's going on. But I also don't think that's fair to say anymore. And this has come later in my adult life to understand. So I want you to know that your grief matters. I want you to know that you matter. And we're just unique in that. But I completely understand where you're coming from. I appreciate that. And like, it doesn't hurt less for sure. Right, right. I'm with you. like... 
I know that there was more experience that I don't have the right to speak on more so than it is like, well, I don't care about my, I do care about my pain. I just, I think my heart goes out more. Yeah, I them. get that completely. Do you we feel that too? That, well, the thing is, is I think we just said that the other day in the last episode. So one of the things that we talked about for the last episode was the fact that I get triggered going to the hospital where she would get her treatments because we were going to deliver snacks for the kids that are battling and going there I would tell myself if Jess can go then why can't I why can't I work through this anxiety I should be better off where she's at so there is this feeling that she's dealing with way more than I so I have to like suck it up (laughs) buttercup (laughs) (laughs) and it's okay and i think what i said really is a lot of things have changed so it's not even the same place anymore so once i get in there it's totally different i don't even feel like any of it but just you know working to oh you want to go deliver snacks and she goes you want to go and it's like yes (laughs) you got to think about it though for a second yeah (laughs) because you do i try to honor my grief but at the same time I do the same thing you do is like she's got to be dealing with a whole lot more than what I'm dealing and if she can do it then I should be able to do it yeah I think too for the two of you the baby is an extension of yourself whereas I think for me it was more like she she was comparable to my friend to my sister like Mm -hmm. so it's less like this is my lineage this is someone to protect this is just more like I want to be able to protect I want to be able to support in the same way that I would in a sisterly way. And you're an eight-year-old yes. with these thoughts. <laughs> My God. <laughs> but she's right, though. You do feel like this is an extension of yourself. Yeah. Like, for me, I see myself in every single one of you guys. You're my dimples. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Angelina did get grandma's nip. <laughs> dimples! <laughs> dimples. I said Dimples. <laughs> Oh, you're gonna take that out. I I should. <laughs> oh man, the comedic relief we need in this, right? <laughs> so you're eight years old. You've got this huge responsibility of being the eldest cousin. You hear this cancer diagnosis, and now we start the journey. Mm-hmm. Do you remember tons from the journey itself? I remember bits and pieces. I remember some, like, again, kind of flashbulb moments, like the mm-hmm. spine surgery was a major one that I so remember that hearing was about. So that was the relapse, right? Yep. And that one scared me. Firstly, I wanted to put this in here because I'm definitely going to forget later. I remember, Dad, you remember how Uncle Joe was coming, saying that he kind of reached that breaking point? Yeah. I was aware of that, even mm. though he was trying to hide it as best as possible. He came home in tears or in near tears the day that we found out of her second relapse and i think mom was trying to like console him Mm. but i could still see it and even if he wasn't crying in front of me which i don't remember if he actually was able to suppress the tears as much i could perceive the sadness yeah which is i want to say we talk to kids sometimes like they're only going to be aware of what we tell them or let them in on Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of perception like formation of these memories and so even if you're not saying it directly to me as a kid i could kind of perceive you can sense it yeah okay because your whole vibe 
when something goes like against your plan is way different. Yeah. <laughs> your whole your whole attitude and demeanor and the way even sometimes you might not even be thinking about the way adults talk changes based on how they feel and it's right. something that i'm sure that they try to control but you're not going to get it 100 percent. we suck time. at being parents i'm not a parent but i know we suck at it <laughs> i don't think it's a suck thing it's, it's i think that you try really hard not to be as honest with your feelings and attempt to be strong when yeah. maybe it might be more helpful if you just you allow yourself to feel that and then mm. explain it so that we're aware, like, okay, we can feel this way. That's okay. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, well, they're not happy and they don't want me to know. So I guess, I guess I'm just trying not to make them upset then. Wow. So that's good information to have. My perspective on it, I was dealing with my own and I could not possibly help. I couldn't. So I had to hide it mm. because I wasn't going to be able to handle. So compiling we- that energy that grief on top of yours was something you you limited you were like nope you set a boundary I not that you didn't care not that you didn't want to help but it was like you were suffering so horribly yeah that you couldn't yeah oh I feel like it's worth acknowledging here that everyone did the best they could absolutely she took the words out of my mouth (laughs) like like you did good still it was maybe where you wanted to be able to provide because you're a provider by nature that's that's part of how you define yourself is that you want to provide for the family and part of that is providing to them but we have a like we have support we have all these adults that we can turn to sometimes we're just afraid of doing that and it's not it's not your fault if when we're okay to, you're not okay to. Yeah. Those are yeah. different mental levels. And I don't think any person should harbor the responsibility of being able to take care of all of us because there was a lot going on. And absolutely, true. your mental focus had to be somewhere else. True. Oh, my God. It's, it's all true. But it's still true that just like with you, where you felt this responsibility, so did I. Yeah. So you still feel it. And you feel like a failure when you know... You couldn't handle it. Yeah. And it's still one of those things that you know it's that's this family. <laughs> and I know that there are few and far between. I haven't seen too many families really like that, but I haven't seen families like ours, but I also haven't seen families that are on the opposite spectrum of like just know exactly what to do and how yeah. to do yeah. it. Yeah. They're just so perfect and I just look to, that exists really, to reiterate so. what Angelina just said so beautifully is we did the best we could. And I love that you offer the other side of it to say, you know, this could have been different or I could have digested this information differently. There is an opportunity for us to communicate to children differently. Knowing that though, again, no book on how to do this. No, (laughs) no great way. And it just, things happen. The questions come, the events happen. And then you're going, "Ah," you don't have time to go, I just got this cancer diagnosis. Let me go see a therapist and see how I can communicate this. It's like yeah. everything's moving. You don't have right. the time that, you know, to to spend in it. But I love that you offer. It's okay to not be okay and to share with me the information that you know, right? And yeah. you don't have to suppress it. You don't have to just let it go. I love that. I think, yeah. too, it's one of those things that, you know, my dad kind of touched on it. No one talks about, gen- like, general parenting advice. And then this was one of those things that was not expected. And sh- we should not have had the responsibility to begin with. Like, yeah. these are all things that no one knows signing up for 
for like being an aunt you didn't know you're getting Shit, into this no. as a grandma you didn't know that any of this was going to happen how are you supposed to prepare mentally for right that? right so it's not a responsibility you should have had to deal with but it certainly is one that came up and probably impacted more than you more than it impacted all of us in this family i think we are so tight-knit <laughs> that it there is no way it was not going to impact all of us yeah do you remember asking questions about what was going on I know I had to have at some point, and I know you mentioned it, and I apologize. Don't apologize for that. I apologize no. for throwing it out there. I mean, <laughs> you could tell. I was like, what the fuck just happened? Like, how am I supposed to answer this intelligent child, by the way? If you can't tell already, this child is so intelligent. And I know I was trying to be very cautious about what I said to you because you knew more than what I what came out of my mouth. Like, I already knew that. So, do you remember asking me that? I don't remember asking okay, you good. that. Okay, <laughs> good. But I do, I do. In case I didn't say the right thing. <laughs> no, no, I do, I do guarantee that I asked stuff like that because the other thing about adults that freak out, which is, which is wonderful figuring out as a young child, they are inconsistent when they are not on the same page. <laughs> Absolutely. freaking <-lutely. laughs> And, and if you ask the right people at the right times, you might get more information. True. And with this thing, it was like, I need, I need to know, uh -huh. I need to be able to help in some way. And as a kid, Obviously, there's nothing I can do to help, right, really. Right. But there's still this mentality. You can, you can help by not asking questions. There's <laughs> still this mentality of I need to help, so I need yeah. to know. I am the same way as a good chunk of our family. I need to know what's going yeah, on. I need absolutely. to have the information. And right. even as a kid, that was true. Like, yeah. tell me what's going on. I want to help. You're not yeah. letting me help, and I'm getting frustrated. Yes. Let me do something. Let me understand the situation. Wow. And no, you probably sh shouldn't tell all kids that's but I was adamant that I had to know yeah. and it was kind of like I know I tested people <laughs> I know for a fact I like I probably dropped bombshells and it was probably intentional but <laughs> <laughs> she asked a lot of questions and I think yeah to be honest I think if you just remain more factual than emotional but because you're so close to it it's hard not to be yeah emotional yeah when you're answering the questions and mind you she was nine at that point. yeah so yeah this she was the one that asked me after if the baby was going to die mm -hmm. and I'm so glad you didn't remember that but it stuck with me obviously it stuck with me because it was you knew you knew the implications you knew that cancer was serious and so it was like I said it, it frightened me because I was like wow she has a true understanding of what's going on and I was really trying to do the best in my response to make sure that it didn't freak you out that it didn't scare you that you weren't running home crying by the way, your parents weren't there. So I was like, if she comes home crying, it's going to be auntie's fault. Shit, I'm in trouble, right? Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of that. But there was just, I wanted to be gentle with your feelings. And I wanted to be gentle in how it was delivered so that you understood the severity. But that we weren't going to, we were going to do the best to not let anything happen to that baby. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I mean, like, as a kid, I know that your job is to protect me. So yeah. it, it is it is like a testing thing as much as it is I need to know. It's It's trying to figure out who I can get reliable information from so i can figure out <laughs> who was heck, most reliable for what you the heck is going on i don't know sometimes if i went to grandma she would talk a lot and that could be helpful <laughs> I talk a lot. Mm -hmm. 
And that could be helpful, but or also, not. <laughs> yeah, as a kid, if it veered off, I wouldn't be able to remember oh, yeah, what I needed I, to remember. I'm all over the place. <laughs> so, like, sometimes we would start off with, like, hey, how is this going with the baby? And then it would turn into, and your grades are super important, and you can be a <laughs> lawyer someday. And I was like, okay, well, that's an interesting take, but not where I like predicted this conversation Stay on topic going. grandma <laughs> but i can't say that as like a 10 year old either otherwise well, you could say it you might get smacked but yeah, yeah no no grandmas don't smack grandmas don't smack but if my mom wouldn't hear about it i'd be surprised it's oh, like man. be polite yeah be polite figure yourself out get it together because we're not dealing with this right. and i think a lot of that too i mean just because remembering it's you're talking about something so heavy that i know i'm all over the place anyway but i did that on purpose to get away from that yeah yeah see and again like i told like i, I don't said, know what her excuse is today though but <laughs> <laughs> no um with adults you kind of perceive like the tone changes what they're willing to talk about yeah, yeah and that's what was agitating was i could perceive all these things happening and i still wouldn't get information no matter how much i pressed or how much i wanted to know yeah and it kind of it sucked on that aspect a little bit because trying to grasp what was happening while also trying to be there but not having access to the same information that the mm -hmm. adults had that was agitating that was really like you're telling me i need to do these things but i don't know what to prep for and so all i'm going on is is like hope that you guys yeah. are one being truthful hope that <laughs> <laughs> hope that we don't lie it, it does something <laughs> hope yeah. that me hoping does something yeah. because I can't I can't do more than that. Well, let me throw something else at you too. We didn't know what we were doing either. That's true. We were trying That's to true. get as much information as we could, but there was some information that was way over our head. Yeah, and we so us trying to dumb that down yeah. was not <laughs> yeah to a level that you guys could understand too was trying a to understand it itself. Ourselves yeah, and then trying to explain it to somebody else is was just crazy see just now crazy. i totally empathize with that and i can understand that Aww. but if you're telling 10 year old me nine year old me to empathize with any of that i'm like you're, you're crazy what are you talking about yeah there's no way me at that age would have been able to understand why yeah and i was already trying to figure out why anyway like there's right. a million whys absolutely and it's not <laughs> i thought it was like well this is just not helpful but it it didn't matter as much for me not saying that it sh you should have been outright dismissive of me but like it wouldn't have made a difference and yeah. i can see that now reflecting back but if you yeah. tell again a third grader or fourth yeah. grader, a fifth grader any of this it's one year out the other yeah so you decided pretty early maybe correct me if i'm wrong to start journaling about your experience it wasn't early per se i got this journal. she brought it with her i did as a present, I think when I was in around fifth or sixth grade, it was this thing. Was I, it during the cancer journey or after? During. 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 Okay. Um, what made you decide to start journaling? Mom told me a bunch that I had to journal stuff and I don't like, well, I don't know how to say it. I am not a bad writer, but I don't have the motivation often or the energy to really accurately tell a thing or make it interesting. So even even if I'm writing like daily things, it ju it's just like, why am I writing this mundane thing? Is it gonna matter? And the answer to most of it, most of the time is no. But the reason I started this one was because all of a sudden I did have more information and I did have a greater understanding of what was going on mm -hmm. in cancer in general. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, 
maybe, maybe I should write some of this down. And so I wrote some events that I don't remember writing about, but it starts off with... Do you have a date on there? Yes. Looks like February 2nd, 2015. Which was right before she passed away. It was right before. And I was starting to come like to terms with the ideas that I was given. So I've had this for a long time. I just didn't use it immediately. How old were you at that time? 12. I want to say like 12, 13 at most. So her birthday's in January. Oh, three. Yeah. February was after her 12th birthday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it starts off with her paralysis. So again, after I think second or third relapse that we had there was talk of it of it getting worse and that's the first entry i have is trying to figure out so hang on a second so she so the baby when the tumor went into her spine we talked about this where she started to lose function of her lower extremities and one of them being technically a paralysis because the nerve was being pinched or something by the tumor right so she Mm -hmm. she started to lose those the function in her legs and so you have an entry about that? Yeah, I do. And I think this entry was after she had the surgery where they put a metal back piece in. Okay. Because I remember I remember telling my teacher, like, hey, my cousin had this surgery, and we thought she wouldn't be able to walk for a really long time, but she's walking already, and she yeah. has a back brace. Yeah. And I'm so happy that yeah. she's walking. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying that. And I remember that being sometime wintery-ish mm-hmm. again, and this is February where she's paralyzed so it might be one of the times after where it like started going wrong and we were like hey that's not so this is actually this is actually right after we were told that she only had six months to live so this was already progressively beyond the surgeries and everything where she needed a wheelchair yeah yeah so this entry reads dear present from my friend sorry for the immediate news but mom told me something horrible the baby's leg is paralyzed I didn't let mom see, but I was crying. This cancer is worse than I was led to believe. The baby has to make it past the cancer. She has to. She's too small, though, and too young. Three years and four cancer attacks. All confidence I have is shriveled. I can't imagine her in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. I can't do it. For now, I'll pretend it never happened. I'm not going to let her down. I'm really not. For the baby. Confidence restored. Angelina. (laughs) So the only time that she was ever in a wheelchair was right before she passed. Mm-hmm. So the same year, what they ended up doing is, to, you know, there's only so much radiation that you could have. Yeah. And she was already at the max by that point. So when they gave her more radiation, it was to try to kill the cancer cells that were in her spine. And I remember that when we went to radiation there was a lot of elderly people that were in there and when she was getting hers they because they zap you for so long there was two other people there that were getting their radiation after her and both of them were saying oh my gosh look how long this person is in there oh my gosh because it beeps it does a thing like when they're being radiated and it's supposed to be seconds and hers was so long Mm. that they were like Oh my gosh, you know, who is this person that's in there? And then this baby comes out. It had to be January, February when she got in her wheelchair. So what was it like to reread that? Well, for one thing, I think I could have gone into more detail about feelings. Oh, goodness. (laughs) If you didn't notice, my my immediate reaction to these things is shut down, start over. We're going in hopeful because that was my job. Mm -hmm. That was what I understood my role in like 
the family to be. And I think I think also around this time in class, I was writing a poem about like identity. And the whole thing was centered on like, I have to be hopeful for my family. So I'm not allowed to feel these things. Mm. So it was it was a lot of that. And I remember my mom reading that and crying. And I was like, why are you upset? I thought this was what I was supposed to do. So it was a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Did your parents tell you that you only had a few minutes to live? Not, that's the next entry. Ooh. Was... Are we going to read the next entry? Are you guys okay with that? Yeah. Okay. I'm I, Whatever you're comfortable with. I don't really, I didn't, like, it's not super personalized. It's a lot of, this is happening. That's I okay. I feel okay. this briefly and then move on to trying to stay hopeful still it's what most of these entries are i almost feel sad for my former self but she gets through it she's fine (laughs) (laughs) so this one is dated march 5th 2015 dear present the baby isn't going to beat her cancer i tried to spell chemotherapy i think i spelled it wrong (laughs) chemotherapy wasn't really working for her or the radiation it only made her hurt But there isn't anything else the doctors can do. When I found out, I cried harder than I have in my entire life. I didn't know what to do. They're trying to make a few happy memories with her. It doesn't work when I have strep throat. I think I have strep throat here. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying to go to Universal Studios soon with them. I might cry. I don't know. Right now, I'm writing because there's not much to do in here. And mom is mad at us. Wow, that's not surprising. Okay. (laughs) She is in a wheelchair, but not in pain, I think. I don't think she understands everything. I painted a beautiful robin for her just before I knew. I hope to give it to her soon. She has a new ring, I think that says. And last weekend, went to San Diego with her family. I don't know how long we have her, but I do know that I'm not going to waste it. She is still here, and that is what really matters for us right now. We need to keep her smiling, make her laugh. Keep her happy. The baby's cousin, Angelina. Oh, yeah. You can hear the parents instilling the positivity in in you, right? To try to get yeah. through and help help you through that. Gosh. That's rough. I know. I don't <laughs> know if I can bear anymore. Time. No. That was a rough time for all of us. Yeah. Do you want to do another one? Uh, If you want to continue, I can also skip around. Uh, there's not too much left because I was writing down what I thought was major. Yeah. So it, I don't know if you could tell. You guys got the news where she wasn't going to make it, right? And I was getting it in pieces. So you, did you hear the previous episodes where we walk through sort of getting that news? Yes. What were your thoughts about that? Uh, I feel like it was very fragmented and I'm mad on behalf of you having to like yell at that one person. I didn't yell. (laughs) I was definitely aggressive, but I didn't yell. I didn't yell. I use it synonymously (laughs) kind of because like, I mean, we're not, we're not quiet people. (laughs) We are not quiet people. Even when we're just talking, it comes off like we're yelling. Maybe. And I have to tell my dad too, like, hey. You're yelling right now, <laughs> and I know you're not trying to. Which but is strange because Joe's pretty quiet. Joe's not the, Joe's yeah, blood, yeah. So, yeah. He, he's not. Are... He's not talkative about anything like he feels or thinks. He's yeah. just talking. It's like filling up space with our voices. You oh know? my! We all kind of do it a little bit <laughs> yeah. to an extent. 
where we're loud. Yeah. And I don't think that when we're angry, we're less loud. Is all I'm trying to say. Thank <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'll be more cognizant of my decibels as as we get through life. <laughs> I get yelled at too. I'm like, hey, well, I'm talking about this thing and I'm excited. And it's like, calm, calm down. Yeah. You're yelling. Relax. <laughs> um, so you heard us having, well, you heard the story of being aggressive with the palliative care people but what were your thoughts about those details not knowing those as a kid yeah it seemed like a lot for you guys and it also i don't know if it surprises me now because again this was a serious thing that i was trying to comprehend and it's like it's, it is an adult thing it's it's adult words it's adult experiences that you're trying to compact into a tiny little person right mm -hmm. and yeah that information probably wouldn't have helped me, but I still would have liked it. Like, even mm. if you didn't understand everything that the doctors were saying, you're like, still tell me. Tell me what's going on. Let yeah, me know. Yeah. And I think I don't not embody that energy, too, sometimes. It's a lot of, if you're not going to tell me, I'm going to figure it out somehow. Yeah. She gets that from us. <laughs> yeah, but I guess that story kind of is a really true indication of how we all are including you guys when you guys were small but we didn't realize that mm -hmm. when we were very forceful in trying to get them to give us the details we wanted that's exactly what you guys needed also was some of the details i think a lot of us as parents though we're trying to spare you mm -hmm. guys that mm -hmm. and by just saying just you know do the best you can to be hopeful even though we knew that she only had so many months you know, it's plain to see that maybe we should have said something to you guys, but you guys at that point were, wow. Yeah, babies. Yeah, my sister would have been like nine. My brother would have been like six. I don't know how much you can explain to a six-year-old. So your sister would have been eight. Eight. Uh-huh, yeah. because they're, they're only so many months apart. Mm -hmm. I forget that was, I'm yeah. born a little bit ahead sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so just she's seven or eight months difference from you and her older brother. Your sister's the same thing, just seven mm -hmm. or eight months older than the baby. So you've listened to a bunch of the episodes and you maybe heard about us talking about understanding that grief happened before she passed. Yes. Did you resonate with any of that? Like as a child, could you... Reflecting back on that time, did you experience grief before I, she passed? I couldn't label it as that mm -hmm. at the time, but that's probably what it was, was was like trying to understand how I'm going to lose someone I'm supposed to grow up with and someone I'm supposed to take care of and someone I'm supposed to watch go through life. Like, those are all the things you think. And I think maybe that's not true for everyone's cousin, too, because, like, that's not always the case where the family is as tight-knit, but, like, the game plan from both the moms was raise them together, mm -hmm. have them be there for each other. Yeah. And um, so it is siblingly love kind of that I had where I was like, that's not supposed to happen. I want to see her do these things and I can't. And the other thing I wanted to touch on was holidays. I missed out some of them. We had to do like the Skype to even see her some mm -hmm, of the time mm -hmm. because all of the this was before COVID when that was like hot. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that was the, the thing. The separation, right. the not having those holidays. And it was like, that's not fair. That's yeah. not what I want. I want to see her. I want to be there. And part of my, again, back to the blame thing was I want to spend more time with her so that she can get through it. Mm -hmm. There was I didn't spend enough time with her, so I need to be with her to fix it. And I'm not being allowed the chance to see her in person. 
and then even too when we were in person a lot of the time it was it was trying to figure out the appropriate amount of time because my sister and her were the closest Mm -hmm. like I was closer to the older Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so it was like well I know she wants to play with my sister Mm. and I also know she wants to play with me but also he's demanding play with me play with me right now Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) so it was like because for him too all he knows is his sister and like you were being quote-unquote isolated from her because of germs and stuff too yeah he was being isolated from everybody because he couldn't bring home germs either right so you're both feeling this level of separation and you being together, he's desperately wanting attention because he can't necessarily get the playtime from his sister because she's in this delicate phase, right? Mm-hmm. But then you're also like, but I also want to spend time with you and you. How do you balance the time, right? So yeah. it's challenging for you to sort of, you know, divvy up your time and spend it. And it sounds like you live with regret because of that, which I, hurts me to hear. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't... Or guilt, I should say. Yeah, it's guilt. I don't regret spending time with my other cousin. Yeah. I don't feel bad for spending time with him he needed that too and I see that now too but like it was not my plan I guess to show favoritism and I felt like I might have even if I didn't feel favoritism sure. because and I'm sure for the adults there was a little bit of that too oh yeah with, with the attention oh, shifting oh, yeah. between the 100 yeah. percent. yeah so it's just like it's a weird experience to have like I don't think I don't know because I don't know anyone else's experience, but I don't think most of the time kids have to be cognizant of how they're spending time with their relatives like that. I mm-hmm. mean, there's some level of like, oh, I should go talk to them or spend time with them or they seem cool to hang out with. But it was more like I need to I need mm. to do it. So it was like, how do you prioritize that? Yeah. Yeah. That must have been difficult. Well, I think this is a good spot for us to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about sort of the end of her life. Mm -hmm. And if you have any journal entries about that and how you were feeling about that. Does that sound good? Sounds good. All right. We'll catch you all on the next one. Talk to you later. Love you. Bye. 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 Love you.